We have a special guest today, and last week Carl and I didn't say our first names before we introduced <laughs> our guests. So I'm Lynn Venhouse. I'm Carl Middleman. And our special guest today is returning David Craig. Hi, David. Hey, you all. Thanks for the uh, invite. Uh, it's nice to be here. Enjoyed chatting with you all, I guess, back in June. Yeah. And uh, I know how the time flies. Good to be back. We'll talk to our guest, David Craig, in a minute, and then we'll talk about Joker. And then a preview of Dolomite Is My Name around minute 38 and a discussion of language. Around minute 47, other releases. Around minute 50, DVDs and the country music documentary. Around minute 54, what's going on in movies around town. Around minute 59, we'll talk about Lynn making her son's final movie. And then around one hour and seven minutes, what's coming up next week? Now we're getting the fall movie, so although we only have one major release this uh, week. No, we have, there are two major releases this week. Well, it, locally we but, have a big one. Well, and then if you had Netflix, you could have watched the Eddie Murphy movie that Not at 2 o'clock. I thought it was 2 o'clock in the morning. No, it doesn't start. I watched it last Wednesday. It doesn't start till the 18th. Oh, oh mm-hmm. I, guess the, I guess they're showing it in, in movie theaters this weekend then. Uh, there's in New be... York and Los Angeles. Yeah. There's only going to be two theaters in St. Louis that have it. And yeah, it's only going to be, it's not going to be like a month like Irishman. Okay. Stuff like that. Irishman, three hours and 10 minutes, by the way. Oh, I heard 3.30. Oh, wow. Or or 3.29. And uh, people have seen it. No, 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 no. I've just read some reviews of of people who saw it, I guess, in New York City, Mm -hmm. where they they had a screening, what, at the Tribeca Festival or one of those. Um, yeah, it's the kind of movie that you think maybe they should. I just reread a book about Gone with the Wind and mm-hmm. the debate that they had as to whether or not include to include the uh, intermission, which, yes, which they, they did. And uh, turned out to have been a, a very good thing because they had those screenings where people were walking out to go to the bathroom. And I right. think, you know, Titanic was right at three right. hours. I'm trying to think if there was Infinity anything. Infinity War was two hours and 59 minutes. Yeah. Wolf of uh, Wall that, Street. That was Endgame, end Endgame. Wolf of Wall Street was long, and that's why they're saying Scorsese is breaking his own record here. Well, also, I remember seeing Gandhi in, what, 1982? There was an intermission in that. Well, I do think, like at uh, the Frontenac Cinema, where the, you know, a lot of the people who go there are older, mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe a Depends concession out there with the <laughs> beer and popcorn at the... At the concession stand. My, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm being silly here. But that's okay. Silly's fine. All um, right. So we have, um, well, we also have an indie movie too. So we're going to get right to it. All the, right. The big uh, opening this week is Joker, which has been uh, surrounded by controversy. Quit saying the Joker. It's not Did I the say jo- the Joker? No, no. I'm Just people are saying. Oh, because I thought I said Joker. No, no. Okay. Because I was, I was. <laughs> on a radio show today where they kept saying the Joker and I let, I let them have their thing. And then afterwards I said, it's not the Joker. It's Joker. And they said, no one cares. Well, uh, I, I have not seen the movie. I almost went to see it this morning, but had some other stuff to take care of. I guess my question would be, um, did you like the movie? And separately, did you think Joaquin Phoenix was spectacular? Those are two Separate and two very good questions, David, because yes and yes. Same here. Same here. But there are extenuating circumstances 
for the first yes. I will never watch this movie again. No. I don't know how it would be anyone's favorite movie. I don't I I can appreciate it and it is very disturbing. It is not a superhero film. It's not a villain film. It's just a psychological it's a story about mental health mm-hmm. and how the I mean this takes place in the late 70s early 80s because Zorro the gay blade is showing it and blowout and blowout so which is a great nod I love that movie and that's just so ignored so I was happy to see that it is uh, right off the bat it's a gritty character study and, and I and Gotham do, is it's it's oh. 1980s New York City because Gotham has always been New York City uh, I didn't think Todd Phillips had this in him and I was so it's impressed. dark it's very dark but it harkens back to that taxi driver era where it's like you know how scuzzy you know how scuzzy New York was then sure Gotham is just as scuzzy as this and there's just all these little details and it's just so immersive in terms of the seediness and the dinginess and Obviously, Joker is one of the most iconic villains ever, and I'm a huge Batman fan. Mm -hmm. I've seen all those movies multiple times, and my first introduction, you know, was the 60s. uh, Cesar Romero. The the, the, uh, TV show that we ran to get chairs for when it came on twice a week twice a week tuesdays and thursdays oh it was a when i think it was a wednesday and a thursday we literally my brothers and sisters and i we would all you know try to grab our favorite chairs and just pow and everything so that's you know it's a childhood thing but i didn't think anybody could top heath ledger as the villain joker and i will say that's still going to remain the big uh, in terms of the whole Batman story and everything, well, but it, it, there's there is a reason for that because that was a supporting villain. This is your lead character, Batman. Batman is not in this movie. Bruce Wayne is in this movie, and that's not a spoiler because they show it in the trailers. And Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne are also in this movie. This this is a, a different kind of Thomas Wayne that we've ever seen. Yes, I didn't think they took some. I will say the the story. I like the story. I know there's violence in it, and I just technically dr- there's only there are only two really violent scenes. Right, and the one I drop I drop my jaw. Uh, I will say that I went <gasps> like that. But the, but then there there. Not to say that besides those two violent scenes, there are killing. There are killings, a mm-hmm. lot of killings. A lot of people die in this movie. But one, there, one, one person is smothered with a pillow, and so that's not really a violent scene. Yes, technically that's violence, but it's not as violent as the other two scenes. Well, let's go back to uh, a little earlier in the summer. Mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the conclusion of that, which I'm... That's cartoon presume, violence. I'm going to presume some of the... Yeah, some of the people who are, are listening to the podcast have seen that. Yes. And yes, the... Uh, the That's car- more violent. It, w- it was cartoonish in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But this stuff is a little more realistic. Graphic. Okay, that's yeah. this is more realistic, especially the, the one scene that Lynn is talking about. It is it actually it almost goes to that comedic violence because it's almost like wow, this is very Tarantinoist because there's a smashing of the head and it's very violent. It almost gets to that point. Quentin goes farther and goes 
beyond because that's that's his style. Todd Phillips' style is like taking you to the edge and then pulling you back a little bit. And I have another question, and if you can answer this without spoiling Joker for those who haven't seen it, is there resolution of Joker's fate or does it kind of maybe resolve the narrative of this movie and then leave space for for uh, you know another one in five years how about we say he becomes the joker uh, the joker joker so becomes it opens the, the door yeah joker becomes the, joker. the villain joker well, you don't yeah he's not a villain yet he's, well he's, he's like he's okay. still mentally unstable and right. that was that was the thing batman the joker is the anti-batman because Batman, the Joker, the Joker's job is to make, actually, a, an 11 year old kid said this on the radio today. The Joker's job is to make Batman break his moral code because the Joker thinks that's funny because he is mentally unhinged. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of that. The backstory of Arthur Fleck is very. Uh, it's also very ambiguous. N- nothing is for sure. But then you don't know. They make you think things for long. The movie is only two hours long. They make you think things for dozens of minutes that are not actually happening. And then they make you think, well, which version of the story is correct? Is, has he been imagining this the whole time? Or is what his mother has told him true or it is so it is it is very good uh mental mental health well that's great that you can interpret well, you can read it, it anyway yeah oh i was really impressed with the screenplay because you are on like like the tarantino movie when the manson family you have that feeling of dread you know because of pop culture how psycho joker mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. so you know what he's capable of and you're waiting but you don't yeah you're waiting for those little flashes of insanity of yeah of what joker. He is. and so you're waiting for it so you're on the edge of your seat and they do some twists and turns here that i thought were really really well done it is an act it's a very good story about mental illness one of the uh, many media emails I get had, uh, I guess, four or five blurbs, like not the whole reviews, but just mm-hmm. little paragraphs. And one, the critic, and I can't remember what outlet this man or woman was from, but uh, basically complaining that at the screening they attended that someone had brought along some preteen kids. Oh, and okay. the main lead of the review was don't bring your kids to no, this movie. No, no. And, and we've we've seen at screenings, especially like uh, horror things movies. that are raunchy like, or uh, horror movies. Uh, someone someone brought a baby to Halloween. Sexual content and and somebody's there with a, an eight or nine year old kid. Mm-hmm. And you you know, you just want to grab the people and say, get them out of here. You know, it's like when we my wife and I saw Eddie Murphy do stand-up mm-hmm. in the early 80s. Did you bring your child? And he comes out at the beginning and he said, I see some people who brought kids. Get them out of here. Right. So. Yeah, that's a good warning. It is I, violent. 
it is. I I was. I mean, I go. I went in not knowing what to expect. I had heard a little bit about it, but I kind of wanted to keep it open because of the, the controversy. And then we got a screening after they said the press wasn't going to have a screening, and. I also just, I, I try to avoid reading things online beforehand because it's just also It can skewered. sway you. And, 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 and also, also, and people are making assumptions without seeing the film. And some people are not, uh, some, some people do share spoilers. Right. Yeah, which is ridiculous. I will say, and I'm a big Joaquin Phoenix fan, I have to preface it, I thought he gave the best male performance last year in You Were Never Really Here. Right. And I just think, I don't think. The biopic. It, wasn't that on Amazon? Uh, yeah. I think it was on Amazon or Netflix. Was it Amazon or Netflix? The one about. Or was it on Showtime? Far on foot. Right. I don't know. I can't remember. It was on uh, a street. It, was, it wasn't It was a theatrical movie. <laughs> no, I did see it at the theater. Did I? No, I saw I saw Link. Okay. Okay. So uh, I, will, I will say after this movie, I think there is nobody as fearless or braver of an actor mm -hmm. working today. I really don't. Cause he goes to places. He's emaciated. Oh, Again, even almost not as bad as Dallas Buyers club. No, but you can see his bones and, and uh, they talk about how he's not eating his, he lives with his mother and he has this fantasy life in his microphone. Head. He has this fantasy life in his head. That's why Carl said, you don't know what's real and what isn't right. He works as a clown for a company with other clowns mm -hmm. and it's, Clowns are clown. I know clowns. Clowns are an odd bunch and they, they're the first to admit that. Well, so are comedians. Comedians. Right. And he, want, he wants to be a stand-up stand comedian. comedian. And if anybody's seen Punchline, you know that comedians have a mm -hmm. are, are often broken people. Mm -hmm. and That's and how all they that. make the funny. So, so, therefore, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of psychological depth to this. It's... Uh, they just don't make him a cartoon figure, which I really liked. And and he's just, I I just can't believe where he goes because you know, um, method is what it is. But you know it has screwed up people. Look, Heath right. Ledger got screwed up. Well, like Jared Leto and as I was saying, Matthew McConaughey in uh, Dallas Buyers Club, they became emaciated because they were playing AIDS victims. And you don't know what's wrong with Arthur Fleck. He, but I think he's asexual. But you don't know that because he has these fantasy lives that you don't know if he's like if he's dating women or if he's just not not eating or you don't you can't trust anything that Todd Phillips puts on on screen. And I that's the screenplay, I guess. It was uh, it's it's hard. He is being treated for mental illness. And and then because Gotham is become such a cesspool, there's a lot of that too. Right. Like how people fall through the cracks, mentally the ill 1%. people. The 1%. And, and how he's got this laugh. Mm-hmm. Be and, Be that and, is a mental disorder. Yeah. Which, and then someone asks him, is that really true? And he never answers the question. But he does have a little card that he says, I'm sorry if I'm laughing inappropriately. It's a neurological condition. Please give this card back. <laughs> it's just really funny. Because it's that Joker laugh. Mm -hmm. It's that really uh, creepy. He has gone farther in terms of the psychological trauma. Like of Heath the Ledger. Character. Heath Ledger was just mysterious about why he he just wanted to disrupt to disrupt. Mm -hmm. Joaquin's Phoenix Joker 
is mentally ill and will admit that he knows and he wants his medication. But then he says he stops taking his medication. So, uh. And he keeps his journal and his journal is really uh, creepy. And, He's got nude pictures. In. And also he says that after his death, he hopes he hopes his death, death will bring more, more sense than of, in life. Sense spelled C-E-N-T-S because he wants to make money because uh. that which is. That is a good joke if you can pull it off. He needs that is a good punchline. He needs a good setup for the joke, and he thinks he's going to have that when he meets the only other good thing in the movie, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro plays a talk show host in the manner of Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this the multicolored curtain. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, kind of like that King uh, of Comedy, the, the movie with. Uh, Jerry Lewis when he played King the, of Comedy. Yeah, King of Comedy. Yeah, it has it has a lot of very uh, much so. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, references. Homage. To, yeah, homage Scorsese, as well as uh, yeah, as influence. well as Taxi mm-hmm. Driver. And I'm just Todd Phillips did the Hangover movie. Yeah, Todd Phillips wrote this with Scott Silver, and so he gets a writing credit on this. Scott Silver, uh, he wrote uh, Eight Mile and uh, The Fighter. And where he's nominated for a best original screenplay for that. Well, it's it's good, you know, that you see somebody breaking out, unfortunately, in art, mm-hmm. in music, in movies, in TV, you get typecast. And, mm-hmm. you know, so many, this is why a lot of actors who can make gobs of money playing the same role over and over say, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to go try doing something else and you know you you get to be oh well you're the specialist you're the you can only play bad guys well no i'd like to play a good guy it's like when uh jim carrey decided he wanted to be you know the cable guy the majestic and yeah Mm -hmm. do you do some serious movies and you know sometimes they work and sometimes they don't or when adam sandler does punch drunk love or mankowitz diaries he's he proves that he does know how to act and and i'm sure people came to todd phillips and said you know we really need the hangover four five and six and and so on down the line i thought the first one was brilliant i thought the second one was okay i thought the third one they went to the well too much but you oh, know. and bradley cooper is a producer on this so mm. he's helping out his friend todd who helped make him a superstar and it keeps going. Uh, we need to talk about the rest of the cast. Uh, Zazie Beetz is the girl who lives next door. Uh, Francis Conroy is the mother who we, he Six bathes. feet under. Yes. And uh, Zazie Beetz is known for playing Vanessa on Atlanta. Okay. And uh, Hannah Gross plays the young Penny Fleck. That which is a very crucial part of the movie, oh. but you don't. Once again, you can't believe these mentally ill people who are having delusions, and so you don't know if it's a flashback, you don't know if it's a delusion. It is so unsettling. That is a good word for it this is. Movie. But also the rich people, they they do this whole Gotham. You know how Gotham uh, now is, mm-hmm. they started this movement. You know, kill the rich. Uh, Thomas Wayne doesn't look too good in this no. movie. No, Brett all. Cullen plays Thomas Wayne, and he is. This is the first time since since the beginning of Batman. Thomas Wayne has always been a tragic figure, benevolent, mm-hmm. rich guy. Yeah, he's he was the one taking care of the poor. He was the one taking care of the entire city. Mm-hmm. But on this one, it might be Bruce's Bruce's father's fault that the city is in this way. I have a question, um, and I'll mention I have a my late brother uh, had a mental illness, mm-hmm. 
and my parents were heavily involved in the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I was a member of the St. Louis board for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that the mental health community applauded a beautiful mind uh, when mm-hmm. that was out, the, the Ron Howard directed movie, what, 15 years ago. Uh, they were upset a little bit about the Jim Carrey, Renee Zellweger, uh, me, myself, and Irene. Right. Uh, although, I mean, I thought it was a hilarious movie, and I said, hey, lighten up, folks. Right, but fairly, brothers. What do you think the mental health community, I mean, once it gets out there and a lot of people have seen it, are there going to be, you know, I mean, are <laughs> the there going to The face Lynn made just are, answered are, your are question. Are mental health professionals going to say, this is good that you're that you're showing yes. this, or are they going to say this is terrible? I will say yes because they show what happens when funding gets cut for mental health. And Arthur Fleck is fine when he gets his meds and gets to meet with the social worker. When that gets cut, then he goes full Joker. Well, yeah, that, the yep. social. So yeah, you, but, yeah, but but I can also see the face that Lynn <laughs> made because he does because not all mental people will go out and kill someone if you. Right. Well, it, it does. It does. Uh, I was exactly going to say what Carl said about how it shows that the funding, because the social worker says to Arthur, they don't care about people like you or like You're me. Not, yeah, but he, he doesn't believe that she cares about him. He's just there to get his drugs, and he says that she doesn't listen to him. But that's not really her job. She's a social worker. She's not a she's not a state psychiatrist or. Or I don't see. Well, the way she, the way he acts with her, though, I would be really alarmed if mm-hmm. somebody sat there and said the things that he says. But also, he has that uncontrollable laugh, and so the beginning you see him there. But he has also been bullied quite a bit, mm-hmm. and he gets beat up a lot, and yeah, jumped, and, and no and one cares. So that's that's another thing too. But it but I like the way, just like the play. The musical Wicked ties back into Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I like the way the Joker tied into the whole Batman, Bruce Wayne mythology. Bruce Bruce makes a cameo or two, but as a small child, and so does a so does Arthur Pennyworth, and so does Martha Wayne. And the, they do, yes, the Bruce's Wayne. Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered in this one and the pearls go flying because every time you kill Martha Wayne, the pearls have to go flying everywhere. It's it's it is a there is a Batman trope in this movie. Martha Wayne gets shot and the pearls fly everywhere. Yes, and uh there's there's just layers to this that I wasn't imagining and I just was the music is good. The, I didn't really notice the music. Really? I did. Well, maybe I, I will give a plug to the Chase. I saw it at the Chase and mm-hmm. Five dollars every morning if you come really? before noon. Five bucks to see a movie. That's all the time. Dang. That's not just Wacky Wednesday. Female, female, uh, Icelandic woman wrote the uh, score. Hilda Gundotter. Yeah, and Guanda daughter because that, yeah. they have to have the daughter or son. Does she know Bjork? Oh, she's probably related to her because all the people in Iceland, it's like Arkansas. She was I'm born. <laughs> she was I'm born in 1982, and she's a cellist. And yes, there's a there's a lot a lot of people are making the joke that you hear the same note over and over and over on the cello. Uh, my wife actually was the one that was annoyed by the music because it gets I I didn't notice it as bad, but when it's pointed out to you, you can understand. 
Okay, well, I did like the selection of the uh, current hits, or not current hits, but pop hits, and I did like the theme song from of the, 80s. the the theme song from um, the talk show to be that's life, Frank Sinatra's mm-hmm. that life. I had a hard time wrapping my head around the time because, you know, the, until they until they went and saw Zorro the yeah, Gay Blade, and then I had it. All right, and it's eighty-one. It. So it's like so the seventies are the building blocks here to the great turmoil and everything. It also reminded me a little bit of, because I watched, sometimes, you know, you just turn on the TV and you just watch what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I watched Batman Forever again, and I was just The howling. Clooney one. No, 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 that's no, the, the Val the, Kilmer the, the one. The Val Kilmer one with Clooney, Nicole. Clooney oh. is Bat, Clooney's Batman Robin. Batman oh. Forever is Val Kilmer with Mr. Freeze and the Riddler. And... That's what I was going to say. The Riddler part, Jim Carrey's Jim Carrey. part, reminded me so much of going unhinged like the Joker mm-hmm. did in this movie. Arkham. But but you forget in Batman Forever how of a light touch they did with the humor because Val Kilmer's like, it's the car. Chicks dig the car. Right. And when in a Batman movie have you heard that many one-liners? Never. And I first, when I first saw yeah, this, but I said, yeah, that's but, why yeah. Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze. Cause yeah. They, so he can deliver the one-liners. Yeah. Well, that was at Joel Silver. And I'm not saying it's a good movie, but I'm glad I watched it again because it. Soundtrack's really good, though. I like the soundtrack. But the one-liners. And Val Kilmer, I will say that was at a time where he was... That that black turtleneck for Bruce Wayne was really a good choice. It seems to be a given that Joaquin Phoenix will get an award, an Oscar nomination. I don't know if he'll win, though. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes, you know, you go to a screening and you just know that this is not just a nomination. This is a probably, tour de force. It's probably the one that's going to win the Oscar, even if you haven't seen, and there's still plenty of stuff to come between now and the end of the year. Uh, did you get the inkling when you saw this that, no, that he's, he's going to be nominated for sure? I, I, I do think he'll be nominated. He is the only reason for that movie. He's he's just uh, a brilliant in this. I mean, when I said fearless and brave, I mean fearless and brave because what he has to do in this is remarkable. He's and in almost every scene. He is. And the depth of his interpretation of the character, like it's not all one note. He does all these different things with it. And and uh, you can't believe anything that he says. So that's perfect. But and another I, thing is, too, he gets the menace and the uh, the psychopath down. But he also, and I think this is because of Joaquin and the stuff we know about his life. He also has that pathos that mm-hmm. that that you can't you can't fake that. For the first half of the movie, you feel sorry for Arthur Fleck. Yeah, and you and you feel that you feel that, that for the first the, half out, of the, the movie. outsider, mm-hmm. the outcast, mm-hmm. the loner. You feel him be that. But then things happen, and you go. Ugh. He might be doing this to himself. <laughs> then it's yeah. Then it's like he's full on crazy. There's a, another movie that's actually they're screening this coming Monday mm-hmm. over at the Tivoli at 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. A classic and ultra violence, and that would be the movie from I think 1972 or three called A Clockwork Orange, yeah. which I remember seeing back then mm-hmm. and being kind of uh, put off by it. Hello, my pretties. Um, I haven't seen it since. Would this compare to that in any way, or they just are those characters just totally 
different. they are totally psycho bullies. They mm. they're bullies so much. Right. They like and, and the they revel in the glee. I don't think he revels in the well. Towards the end, he revels no, in the violence. I, I think I would, he of just, the two really violent scenes, I think he's only unhinged once. Yeah, he just goes full on yeah. because that's he's just compelled to do that. And because you can t- in the first violent scene, I don't want to say. But he has in a the grudge. Fir- he has a grudge. He has a grudge in the first violent scene, and there it's are payback. There are other things in that scene that he is indifferent. He, he's indifferent, and he's like, you know what? Uh, I've done what I've done, and everything's fine. And he lets everything else just go away. That poor little guy. Oh, but. It, Without going further on that, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. At least, okay, he does show a little compassion towards some people. Others not. But, yeah, he has grudges because of the way people treat him. Everybody, he's one of those people that uh, that people have discarded in life, mm-hmm. marginalized, and it finally reaches a boiling point for his going off. And, uh, yeah, I would think that that's it. But so it all makes sense. It's not, you know, in terms of this character development, I think they really kept a tight lane on it. You know, uh, a lot of people love this movie. I like this movie. I don't love it because the main thing that this thing that the movie has going for it is Joaquin Phoenix and the screenplay, but the rest of the cast is not that good. It's it, it's not that it's not that they're not good. They're not given much to do. That because the movie's Joker and because Joaquin Phoenix is in every scene, everything else is secondary. Mm-hmm. Well, it, they're all kind of stock characters. Perfunctory. I yes, think is they're a, they're like the the police detectives. The boss. Bill that, Camp is one of the police detectives. Yes, and and so is Shea Wiggum. Right. I mean, it's just like, oh, really? Okay, those really. Guys? You got you got yeah. police guys to play police guys. Yes, and then is this an is this SVU? <laughs> and then like the guy, all the Wayne people are all just ones, you know, one. They're just jerks. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not um, Martha. Martha doesn't have anything to do. Right? And does she even have three lines in the film? No. Don't shoot me. Well, <laughs> well, and then um, Zazie Beetz is a sympathetic character because she smiles at him. And he considers her a, a kindred spirit because she says the building's such a dump. Right. And she said she feels like she could kill herself one day. And the mom is just a really you can't believe figure. anything she says either. yeah it's just a pathetic figure and uh but you don't but they leave it ambiguous so you don't know whether her psychosis is because of what happened to her as a kid or if it was actually happening and uh, you don't know she worked for Wayne Enterprises. She worked for Thomas Wayne. And so if her story is true, that changes the whole Batman story. Yeah, it does. It's really amazing. If it and, if it's true. This is going to be part of DC Black or DC Dark. Oh. They're they're going to make this is not going to be part of the DC extended universe. This has nothing to do and Todd Phillips and he and uh Joaquin Phoenix have both said that this has nothing to do with Baffleck or even the Robert Pattinson uh, Batman. This has nothing to do with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. This is its own world. And 
once this movie makes a ton of money, they will make more dark movies. Now, the Birds of Prey movie that's coming out with uh, uh, Harley Quinn and all the Birds of Prey, that will be part of the DCEU, which is kind of weird because they're rebooting Suicide Squad. In fact, they're even calling it Suicide Squad. It's it's just weird, which is the reason that Pete Davidson was not on Saturday Night Live for the premiere because he's filming Suicide Squad right oh. now. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so last well, words Last words on Joker. Um, I just think um, uh, don't uh, just— Don't bring your kids. Uh, don't bring your kids, but go with an open mind. It's not as—I think— I think people will rethink this movie. Right now, they're just in awe of it. I think there will be better things that come out later this year. I I appreciate what they did. I liked it. I don't think it will hold up. Well, I know that there is a lot of curiosity and buzz, and I plan to catch it here myself uh, in <laughs> and she just order. she just saw it this morning. Yeah, yeah. I just I I, I had to fit it I in. I think I think he's great. I he is great. But if you once again once you start thinking about it, you that's how I, I feel he's, about a lot of movies. He's so versatile. He should have been nominated last year. He won the the best actor at Cannes for mm-hmm. You Were Never Really Here. And if you think of his if you took if you look at his whole career arc, it, he is really a special performer mm-hmm. and okay he might be really weird in real life but considering That's how he, he saw his brother do. die in front of him things like that you know well so many people think of um the David Letterman, <laughs> right? But did, that's where he was kind of a. And he did that with. Uh, didn't he do that with Kimmel the other night, or was it Kimmel or Colbert? I don't. I, I haven't seen. I, uh, he, I have him on DVR. The buffoon bit. Yeah, he he. In fact, Todd Phillips said a month ago, if you see if you see Joaquin Phoenix on a talk show, and after two minutes you think, oh my gosh, that was weird. It, that means he's still in character. <laughs> yeah, I would think that would be a hard one to shake because that happened to Keith, uh, Heath Ledger too. Mm-hmm. So I would think so. it didn't happen to Jack Nicholson. No, or it Cesar didn't. Romero. It didn't. This also, just real quick, um, it reminded me a lot of the second Batman, Batman Returns with Penguin, Danny DeVito, because that was really dark, mm-hmm. and this had that quality well, because, about it. That's because. Burton didn't believe that they wanted him to do a sequel. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'm making the movie I wanted to make. Because that was... If you see that again, you're like... Oh. All those penguins have bombs on them. And my children went with... I mean, because, you know, it it's was... It's Batman. Yeah. yeah, this is 89 Batman. Well, not, it wasn't 89, it was 90, right? Yeah, it was right after, because... Yeah, we got well, the... 90 or 91. 91, because... Bat, yeah, 89 was the first one. Mm-hmm. And that was... You know, innocuous. And then we go to Batman Returns, and it's like, kids, mm-hmm. this is... <laughs> this, is, this is a weird Batman. This, this, but yeah. it is very dark. It is well done. But I think it, I, I think it's not getting any scrutiny because when people are finished seeing it, they're shocked. I really like the vision. I thought it was very bold. And we'll go from there because this, this is the season where it's going to mm-hmm. be just... Non-stop good movies. Okay, is this a better performance? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is Joaquin Phoenix's performance in Joker better than... 
I, I'm going to phrase this wrong. The lead character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Whoever you think the lead character is. I do. You do. Yeah. Because yeah. it's going because, because the lead character is actually Brad Pitt, but he's going to get nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and he'll probably win. Right. But so against against Leo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you think Joaquin mm-hmm. is better than Leo? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think he's better than Brad Pitt though? Mm. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe about the same. You think so? Yeah. Because Brad but Pitt's great in that movie. He is. And yeah, they were both great. I liked, I loved Leo's character. Right. The character was just spectacular. I mean, Brad, but Brad it's Brad Pitt's was, movie. They were both, yeah. But um, I think Joaquin goes farther because of the psychological elements. Yes, but you also, there's. They created those characters from scratch. Yeah, you're right. Joker, you you already have these expectations, and when they're turned on its ear, that that brings you farther to the Joker. See, I don't know. And Brad was also good in the space movie. And oh, Astra. 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 And sometimes yeah. you know space they monkeys. do they do give the award based on body of work cumulatively. Yeah, uh, but. If if Joker is as spectacular and, and Joaquin, he's going to get nominated. Yeah. I don't know if he'll win. No. Yeah, because he's not. You know, it's and, and also, he he also has to play the political game. That's yeah. that's the that's, that's the, the thing, thing too. And everybody except Angelina Jolie in Hollywood likes uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, because he's cleaned <laughs> up his act and he's and he what do they call movies. that? Yeah, and yeah, that's he produces. He technically movies, already has an Oscar, and he uh, has cleaned up his act. And you know what they say. Hollywood People, loves a comeback. Well, and they love movies about movies. Yes, they and do. So that has a lot going for uh, QT's. So are we going to wait on Dolomite? Yeah, we have to because uh, it's not available for people. No, here. Uh, although if um, is uh, it? Just tell me, is it good? Yeah. Is he good in it? Yes. And so is Wesley Snipes. <laughs> because I really wanted to see that. They make me laugh because um, they just make me laugh in this. Um, it has probably more MFs in it than any movie in the last five years. I'm just going to warn people. Really? Because yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had a lot of those, too. Well, this one has a lot. But this is so classic black exploitation movies. Mm-hmm. If you were familiar, because we 70s. lived there, you I know. Was a, I didn't get to see on the other. And um, it is a carbon copy of that era. Okay. It has a great cast because Michael um, Keegan Key. Michael Keegan yeah. Mike. Wait. Michael, Michael Keegan Key. No. We always Keegan get it Michael wrong. Key, Keegan Michael Key. Key. That's it. That's it. Jordan I Pills, always buddy. get that. Right. I always get his name wrong, and I really like him a lot. He's the writer. Wesley Snipes plays the director. Eddie Murphy is just on. They look like they're having so much fun making this movie that carries over. Titus Burgess from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. He uh, plays uh, Eddie's uh, like sidekick, and it's it's you know it's just what it is. The name of the movie is My Name is Dolomite. No, Dolomite is my name. Dolomite is my name, and it's uh, coming to It's a coming of to Netflix, but it, they're releasing it in theaters for, well, like on the coast, they're releasing it now because they think that Eddie Murphy's going to do get a nomination for this. He's been nominated before, and then he released, what was it? Uh, uh, he released uh, uh, a not, Norbit. Norbit, that's what. And, that, and, and that's, then, they, say, they say that's how Alan Arkin won his Oscar because Eddie Murphy released Norbit. 
But Alan Arkin was really good in Little he Miss was Sunshine. In, yes, but that was Eddie Murphy's year, allegedly. That well, was his big comeback. Speaking of, of language, I watched um, Eddie Murphy on Comedians in, in cars. cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Yes. And it ran about 40 minutes, much longer yes, than it, most of them. Normally, those. they're about 12 to 15. And this it was, was an long. Inter- an entertaining bit. But one thing I noticed, and I'm not going to use the words, but uh, they, every time there was an F-bomb, it was bleeped. Right. But the S-word. That is correct. Was not bleeped. And, and I've but watched- you'll also notice that Jerry rarely says it. It's the guests. And like if you watch Conan on TBS... They don't bleep the S word anymore either, but well, they do bleep the F word. Okay, and, and I've noticed it uh, watching Trevor Noah right. from The Daily Show. So cable, cable first of all, cable's again, unregulated. And again, the S word is out there. Yes. In fact, he interviewed Lizzo, mm-hmm. and she used the word, and she said, oh, can I say that? And he said, sure, yeah. And well, you know, the, John Stewart was the first one when he called Fox News bullshit mountain. <laughs> and so that's... That is, and then that stretch, and then what, the rest of John's tenure, they bleeped it. And like in the reruns, they, but the first time they let it go, and then they didn't get any blowback from it. And so the cable networks, first of all, there is no FCC regulations of cable networks. So that's when uh, when De Niro said F them on CNN, FCC doesn't regulate cable networks. They mm-hmm. only regulate broadcast networks. And so, like, when you send your message to the FCC, I saw CNN, they don't care. Well, it just seems, it seems like there's been a creep of this, of, of the S word. Just in, NYPD just Blue more. used to say that at 9 o'clock or oh, 10 really? o'clock Eastern. Okay. Yes, they, every once in a while, and then uh, Janet Jackson happened, and then they pulled back. But NYPD Blue used to say that because, you know, technically, after nine o'clock, ten Eastern, that's safe harbor. And and I remember, you know, reading print. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, some people put F, F, dash, dash, ast- dash. asterisk asterisk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, print. And, and, and but they'll put the the S word in there. And now even in so, uh, in New York Times and Washington Post. Really. And it, New York Times is saying the S word. Well, dep- I mean, depending on yeah. Well, I the guess. president said it the other day. Well, here's here's my concern when they run a lot of these things live. Uh, at some point, with everything that's going on, and it may it may be the president, it may be whoever is going to. You know, let out. We are a less Puritan nation than Uh, we were five years ago. Huh? Are you saying we're a less Puritan nation than we were five years ago? Oh, absolutely. But I I guess you know, just the the creep of the S word Mm -hmm. as being but how long was acceptable? And but NYPD Blue was on late '90s, early 2000s, and they were pushing the envelope then. But they also had people naked on NYPD Blue. Well, I was so shocked that when bitch got to be okay. Because you know, all of a when sudden, was that? Because it's been around my entire life. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. But I mean, just when you study it and you sure. know, and then all of a sudden you creep in. But the Christy Teigen comeback from mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, right? Colbert said that out loud mm-hmm. on Channel Four. I mean, on yeah. CBS without it being bleeped. But I, some of them, are, some of them are newsworthy, and others are. I believe what they used to say on for radio is if it was being used in a scatological way, you couldn't say it. Ah. But if it was just used as an expletive, you could say it. Well, you know, or, this uh, is... it, not not an expletive. It's always an expletive, as a in, like an interjection. 
This has been around for a long time, and I remember during Watergate uh, when the Nixon tapes. Yeah, and because you you never heard the president say they, anything and, like that, and they were and there were some newspapers that printed it verbatim. Mm-hmm. And I also remember, you know, I was an early subscriber to Rolling Stone, and they were pretty free with it. Oh, yeah, they always said the F word. Mm-hmm. But other publications wouldn't. So what? anyway, it's just kind of Like Entertainment Weekly, now monthly, they they still uh, censor. Yeah, now Riverfront Times in town will still have all the cuss words, but nobody else will in print. Okay. Yeah, River. If you do, if you do that, you can... You can see it, but it's just it's just the way it is now. Um, yeah, but um, when Eddie Murphy says it, it's <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, I guess you have to remember when uh, Charles Rocket got fired from Saturday Night Live for, for saying dropping the F word. When he was hosting Weekend Update. Yeah, and then Jenny Slate said it, but she... She didn't mean, mean to it. say it. And so I think they kept her, but then later but she yeah, got but she let was go. Gone anyway. uh, yeah. like, I, I want to say there are three or four people that said it on Saturday Night I think Gilbert Godfrey. Freed said it once. There might have been a couple times now. Oh, yeah. And the, these the, guys. The blues, Jordan Bennington said it on stage. When they got the uh, Stanley Cup back on June 12th, mm-hmm. there were a few F-bombs that were. Yes, uh, during the parade. And Jordan well, Bennington Well, it went right stage. after they won, when they were hoisting the oh, trophy yeah. up on the ice. And all these people contacted NBC and bitched. Well, you can't. It's a live event. They, I think there is leeway. When when it is a live event, because yeah, they because the Bono personalities to do that, huh? Right, I think they because of Bono saying something in an award and the yeah. Grammys. He said it was it was to Frank Sinatra and he was getting in. He said like it was effing awesome. And then they lost, and so uh, they won in court. That live events are different than you know spur I, of the moment kind of things. I, I remember my senior broadcast seminar, and we had an entire class devoted to. The a seven John dirty Lennon, words. There, there was a John Lennon song. Oh, uh, woman is the. Uh, no, no, no. It was no. It was the one called "Working Class Hero." Okay. And uh, which there, is the name of his greatest hits album? <laughs> and and I guess there were some stations that would edit the word back in backwards on tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, others wouldn't play the song. Others just bleeped it. And some, you know, I guess the Pacifica stations actually played it but this is going back to 71 right so you know this is a well, thing that's... rich girl by hall and oats they used to edit out the word bitch yeah yeah so i guess that's back that was 75 ish mm-hmm. so censorship and what's allowed it it, it is evolving mm-hmm. and uh well i george carlin did a second <laughs> version of the seven dirty words and he said it was because of course the classic one but he said in a later version from the 80s, he's like, hey, some of those seven words are now acceptable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. We listened to that album over and over and over and over <laughs> and over again. Is that AMFM or Operation Fool? It was Class Clown. Class Clown. Yeah, I know that by no, heart. No. I used to be an Irish-American. No, I'm a Catholic. no, I used to be a Catholic, you know, Irish Catholic, and, and he goes on about there's some guy still doing time eating a bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> In purgatory. In purgatory. All right, so okay. what else is out this week? Okay, well, we have a special interest in Grant Fur was in town. Grant Fur. Yeah. And we, we talked about the movie last week. Yeah, you did. And, and you I, finally saw it. I finally saw it, and I really enjoyed it. It could be considered a standard sports biopic, but I think what elevates it is the man himself. Mm-hmm. He was very interesting, and I really liked the whole the way they wove all the 
archival footage with the talking heads. And I liked how they told you at the end all his accomplishments. And then they said he was a golf pro at Desert Dunes in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just really enjoyed it. And when Wayne Gretzky says you're the greatest goalie of all time, well, that's some cred. Right. And you'll probably see it. it uh, I, uh, Ryan Recker from KMOX talked to the filmmakers the other day, and they said they've only had two screenings, one in Edmonton and one in St. Louis. And then it's going to be streaming very soon. It's in Marcus Theaters this weekend. Just mm-hmm. for one oh, week good. for good. one week only till next Thursday. It's to pair uh, Ronnie's O'Fallon, Illinois, mm-hmm. St. Charles, Arnold, and who am I missing? It's six Ronnie's. Okay. And well, uh, maybe the Chesterfield one. Six Marcus Theaters. Oh, yeah, Ronnie's. I said Ronnie's. Ronnie's okay. is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Six Marcus Theaters starting today through uh, uh, Thursday. And uh, he came to town. They did the big premiere at Ballpark Village, which was so good that the Cardinals won the division on Sunday because mm-hmm. Carl was having a heart attack. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was going to be wild card and a blues game. Right. But it was, but it wasn't. So everything worked out fine, and Grant Fuhrer had a good time in St. Louis. And there's a, a foreign movie called uh, Monos Manos. It's about kids on a hilltop with guns. I'm not exactly sure where. Some South American country. It's playing at the Tivoli. I didn't get a chance to screen it. So never mind. Uh, Britt Marie is here. I didn't know what that was. Uh, Jim Allison Breakthrough. I didn't know what that was. And that's, oh my gosh, we already talked about that. And Manos, that is, uh, our buddy Joshua Ray saw that one. So if you want to think about that, go to uh, St. Louis Film Critics uh, website. Lynn, what is our website? It is stlfilmcritics.org. So that you can see the reviews of the movies that we didn't get to see. All right, uh, what's out on the big DVDs this week? The big week? DVDs is Spider-Man. Far From Home. Yes, and I know we talked about that. We might have talked about it when you were here. Did we talk about Spider-Man? We might have. Um, I think you can, I mean, it's passable, but it's not my favorite Spider-Man. But but, I, lo- but um, since we've... Since this has happened, uh, Marvel and Sony have broken up and then gotten back together. <laughs> I saw that. So they're fine. Everything's going to be just this fine. This is about People. the longest we've gone without a Spider-Man movie. Uh, I mean, we've been it's been good four months now, so <laughs> uh, we're on a roll. I, I'll mention uh, just something out of the blue here, and I don't know if y'all have go ahead talked about this. Was the Ken Burns? series country on music. the history of country music. You worked in country radio for how many years, I, David? Oh, gosh, I, uh, 16 years. Wow. And I was raised in the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife lived in the South for a while. You know, we saw Dolly Parton and Porter Wagner on that show, and my wife remembered that she was kind of pissed at Dolly because Dolly replaced Norma Jean on the, who, who you've mm-hmm. never heard of, on the yeah. Porter Wagner show. I love Dolly. Um I, what I was going to mention is I went into it kind of figuring, okay. It'll you be- have you ha- you are an expert on country music. I, no, I wouldn't say that. But you worked for 16 years in country radio. Oh, no. There was so much on the show that I didn't know. There were a few things that I did know, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of things, especially the early history of country. 
I thought the show started the, in Virginia. Is that what it was? I'm sorry. Didn't it start? It, it didn't start in Nashville. It started. I want to say yeah, Virginia you know, in, in yeah, the South. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers. Yeah. So all over, you know, they mm-hmm. really there, Texas, so at the Mississippi, beginning, Louisiana. You, you didn't know about Virginia. the early. Yeah, just I mean, I I knew the names, but I didn't know the particulars. Mm-hmm. Because what, you never played that stuff. You do, you weren't a cla- you weren't a classic country jock. You were a modern country jock. But at the time, that is now classic country. I I did appreciate Hank Williams. Okay. I l- lucked into a Hank Williams greatest hits album many years ago, and have listened to it quite a lot. And I guess I and Hank Jr.'s the, here this weekend, and that shows there are only like two dozen tickets left. It's Kid Rock and Hank Williams Jr. Oh wow! And I, there are only like sixteen single seats left for the for that show. And according to my parents, I went to the Grand Ole Opry before I was born. So, oh, in utero. Yes. Uh, anyhow, my point is is that the show, the series, was much better than I had expected. Mm-hmm. And for people who may have missed it. You can get the PBS app uh, from, you know, your app store. Mm-hmm. and Google you can, Play or the if, uh, yeah, iTunes and if, store. And if, you, if you log in correctly, you can stream all of those shows. Eight episodes? There are, yeah, it's a so, total of six. One of the shows, the I think number seven, ran two and a half hours. The okay. rest of them run, you know, just under two hours. Okay. I heard they're, I just heard they're spectacular. I also heard that it is a shotgun approach rather than focus. Well, it's it's like, you know, you've if you take a survey course in college, you know, it's mm-hmm. country music 101. You kind of get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But and there are a few things that are left out, you know, I'm I have friends who say, "Well, they didn't mention this or they only mentioned the group Alabama for just a few seconds and this and that." And yes, you know, you can always pick nits, but right. uh I thought they didn't do very much about truck driving songs, you know, six okay. days on the road, convoy, those kinds of things. But that's that's me. But um, overall, it was pretty well done, and uh, you, you know, recommend just, it. Just a lot of good stuff and a lot of good uh, comments from people. And Peter Coyote is great. Oh, I love his voice for narration of anything. Well, yes, yes, he he is amazing, and. I read an article about him where he claimed that he read most of the copy cold. Wow. And I thought, okay, that's, that's, don't, don't that's say that. BS. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he said you want to look at the copy before. He said he just has the ability to read those things. and uh, Well, they've been working together for a oh, long yeah. time. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's done a lot for Ken Burns. Mm-hmm. All I'm right, still, lady, what else is up? All right, well. I want to uh, ask you about last weekend. Okay. Uh, locally, uh, uh, the uh, Marcus Theaters are having horror movies every weekend in October. Okay. And uh, starting tonight, or starting last night, actually, starting Thursday through Sunday, mm-hmm. they're showing the Exorcist Director's Cut. What? Uh, yeah, at 10 Okay, p.m. so what is different about that? Um, I'm not sure. Because I love The Exorcist. I do. I know. It's, scary. it's still the scariest movie I've ever seen in my well, entire life. N- not it's... not anymore. I still think Jaws is scarier, and that's a well, PG. Jaws is, but uh, that that devil possession is just one of my. It just really is just. <laughs> when when so... she takes that crucifix, never mind. Anyway, yeah, I know it's just it's so frightening to me. And I also read the book when I was seventeen, so you know. Right. Oh, we had. I read the book when I was in seventh grade. It because everyone's like. Like people's parents said, you can watch the movie if you read the book. Okay. 
Well, Both uh, dumb mistakes. And then also the St. Louis connection, I find mm-hmm. very Yeah, it happened it happened at St. Louis University. Yeah. In and a room so that is uh, now and when they went off. to when they went to tear down of the of that wing of the Alexian mm-hmm. Brothers Hospital that the ball, the wrecking ball went and it didn't bounced get, off. Yeah. <laughs> I just find that. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Oh, also yeah. uh next weekend, next Friday, October 11th, Young Frankenstein is going to be at the Boathouse. They're going to show it so like it'll be a oh. paddle up kind of thing. Well, that'll be fun. And then uh Sunday if you like classic Hitchcock, which I do, as you Rear should. Window is going to be at the I guess Ronnie's and other Marcus There is one three o'clock. The last scene looks so fake now. I'm sure it was cutting edge back in the 50s, but when Jimmy Stewart is caught looks unreal <laughs> yeah well you, you gotta remember that but when when grace kelly comes on that screen oh my god in heaven she just looks like as letterman used to say a million damn dollars i mean that woman mm-hmm. just glowed. but it just shows i mean at at the at the time it was cutting edge cinema right and, but you just see how far we've come in the last 70 years yeah that movie it's got to be 60 was it 54 it had to be, yeah, it had to be early 50s. What was Raymond Burr before he did Perry Mason? Right, right. Yeah. right. Well, uh, think about how many times that movie's been ripped off in in, uh, in uh, other right. plots. And you can look for Hitchcock as he's winding a clock. <laughs> because yeah. he's, he's looking around and you see him. Oh. Speaking of uh, uh, Turner Classic Movies had a night of dark shadows on. And I just, for grins, I was oh, watching. Oh, is that with my friend Ben? Uh no, Ben doesn't host that, does he? No, it was one of those cheesy late night, you mm-hmm. know, we're showing horror movies. Right. Oh, my God. Every time I see him, I think of uh, Joe Mason. Really? Don't you think he looks like Joe Mason? A little bit, yeah. I can I can okay. see that. I That's can see so that. Funny. Joe Mason, for those who are listening, is a uh, former radio guy, and mm-hmm. I guess he's uh, advertising. He runs Illustrated Man Productions. And right. he helped uh, Ron with the, the KC Doc. Yep, because oh, he yeah. was there until 1970. Yeah. Oh, he was there, yeah. yeah. He started in 79, I think. Yeah, if anybody remembers Kate Jackson, she plays uh, David Selby's wife in The Night of Dark Shadows. It has the cheesiest special effects I've ever seen in my entire life, and that beats out the 30s movies when they were really just, you know. It's very Ed Wood-like, like Plan 9 from Outer Space, this Dark Shadows movie, which I'm sure came after the TV show because it was 1971. Right. There's probably a bunch of episodes that they just edited together. We would, we again would run home from school to see this. See Dark Shadows? Yeah. Oh God, it was huge. It was huge on ABC because we would get home from school and it would be on, Hmm. but it was only brief. Okay. You know, and uh, yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, let's tell everyone what you did this weekend. All right. Well, my late son had written a script for his screenwriting class at DePaul University where he was getting his MFA. And uh, he had sent it to his family and friends because he was very proud of it. He said that at the class table reading, it brought everybody down. And then sadly, he died December 9th. And so he never got to work with the professor on revising it or getting it ready. So when we when my other my other son Charlie and I went to Chicago to get his stuff out of his apartment we met the DePaul professors too and they were all giving glowing compliments about 
Tim and I said we're going to try to make the movie and he's and the professor that the class was he goes yeah and, and he said they wanted to you know support us in any way they could but he was like oh that's a great idea so I revised the script to um because we set it in St. Louis it was set in Chicago um it had 10 scenes nine of them at night there was nothing we could do about the night scenes so we shot locally we we shot in South City and we used three Dan's house yeah we used three homes and we used my back alley and front of my street and we uh had we used uh, fountain on locust uh one of the buildings that ron stevens and joy gridnick owns we we turned it into a nightclub or a bar named after my mom and we uh used taco circus so uh it was all night shoes it was 20 people in the cast um i included parts for some of tim's relatives like all seven first cousins are in it oh and uh his a couple aunts and a couple uncles his dad makes a quick appearance in it and so extras so i did that i add a little bit and then i fleshed out some parts but i think tim was channeling when i was revising to to make it a little bit meatier and and also just to kind of have things more cohesive than a you know it was the first mm-hmm. draft right and i could tell and some people were like yeah we couldn't tell where tim ended and and you began so that's, that's a good fine yeah that's a good sign although i just want to say movie making is hard yeah and you had some <laughs> pros with you as well yes we had some uh charlie's uh a couple best friends of his came we had five people come uh, from both coasts. Charlie came from New York. Uh, his friend Zach Wigman, who is a professional editor, he came from L.A., John Rubin. He uh, works in the industry, too, and he came. And we had a local guy. We had our director. uh had to quit, like, less than two weeks before we started shooting. Uh, my, my brother's memorial service was on Saturday, and on Monday I found out that our director was still in Germany on tour with this band. The band tour had been extended and he couldn't make oh, it here. Oh so then Charlie- So who directed? Uh, Charlie and his three friends did, I executive produced, and uh, those guys were amazing. Ryan Culbertson, he is a local guy who knows how to do sound and lights and, and camera. He took over the bulk of the DP, mm-hmm. but it was just. What's oh, the story, and and how long before it's all? Oh, put together. Well, it's going to premiere at the Tim Venhouse retrospective at Swick uh, Liberal Arts Theater, Southwestern Illinois College uh, Community College, over in Belleville, 3 p.m. on Sunday. December 15th, we're crossing our fingers, it's ready. And uh, we'll have it at film festivals. Wait, 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 wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> You're crossing your fingers, it's ready? Well, we'll have a working copy if it's not totally okay. finished. We will show something to everybody, uh, but you know, it might not be the, you know how they are with the films when they tinker mm-hmm. with. So, because we have to do uh, post production of editing, titling, sound, and music. And he has a lot of music friends that are going to be working. And so on. it's going to be mostly original pieces. Then. Yes, because, you know, Carl, we're just... You have to pay. I know. So it's called, it's out there, it's a dark comedy short. It's called Dad Eat Dog. Dad Eat Dog. And I just want to I just want to preface this by saying no animals were harmed in the making of this film. What about dads? Uh, <laughs> um, Spencer Sickman was 
fantastic. He plays Jimmy, this guy who is being blackmailed by these unknown assailants played by Tom Stockman and Joe Moskus. Oh, and they, so you have SAG guys in <laughs> You have professional <laughs> actors in this. And uh, they uh, have him in the back of a car, and they throw pictures at him and say, you have to eat your dog or we're telling your wife um, that you ha- we're showing your wife these pictures of you having an affair. <laughs> so so the Polaroid of the dog has, it's a cute little pug chihuahua named Bongo, voiced by Paul Cook. And it says on the Polaroid, eat me. <laughs> nice. So anyway, it's this one it's night. It's a dark comedy yeah, once again. It's, it's, it's a it's dark this, comedy. One night he goes around town trying not to have to do this, but not telling his wife, mm. voiced by Laurie McConnell. Ah, and another uh, professional actress. Yes. And uh, along the way, he meets like really colorful characters. Let's put it like that. Dan Buff is one of them. Uh, uh, Shane Signorino, another professional actor in town. He plays Richard, who's kind of a know-it-all kind of guy, like a Cliff Clavin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dan plays a bald guy named Harry. Hmm. Well, that, that <laughs> did he, does he have his beard on, or was he clean shaven? No, no, no. He he got so he's, right. he's yeah. still hairy. Yeah, he's still hairy. Well, it's set in nineteen ninety six, so we went with it. Okay, we don't know why, but we did, and that was really tricky because cars. Tr- oh, that was hard. So yeah, I made sure because you know a continuity and all that mm-hmm. stickler. So we had a really good time. It was such a collaborative effort. And people wanted to be there because they... How did my scene go? Did you play it or is it going to be just put in in post? It's going to be put in in post. Okay. But uh, it's a great scene because uh, we had Tim's Weird Al Yankovic 1996 tour, the Amish Paradise t-shirt. Nice. And Spencer wore... Bad hair day. And and Spencer wore Tim's robe and he's making a smoothie, which is very integral. I'll tell you guys... Later, and uh, he's looking out the, he's playing his voicemails, and Carl plays his therapist. Yeah. <laughs> See, I wasn't cut out by uh, uh, by budget cuts. I'll still give you your drugs. Yeah, and also um, I got a, a authentic voice, mach- answering, uh, authentic t- uh, telephone answering machine from Savers for three ninety nine. Nice. Very good. I know. <laughs> This well, 96 is kind of hard to... Yeah. Well, 1996, when you think of Grant Fuhrer, you mm-hmm. think of uh, 96 and his... Uh, and Wayne Gretzky was here. And, and you know, and John Casey jumped in, and then uh, damn Stevie Iserman got that... From from the blue line. ...game-winning goal and uh, for the Red Wings. And, you know, what if the Blues had advanced? And yeah. what, if, what if they had won the Cup that year? Well... And then I probably would have been working for them because I started the year after that. And because uh, they would Mike, all been on uh, a high. What's his name? Would have been uh, what's his? You know the who the coach that's hated Mike. Uh, Mike, Mike Keenan. Keenan. Oh yeah, he would have been a hero. Mike. Mike Keenan. Keenan. Yeah, Keenan, Keenan. Yeah, he's in the Grant Fear movie. Yeah, I'm sure he got booed. But I mean, if they'd have won the cup that year, and right, he would have know, been a hero. A statue not a, of Mike yes. Keenan outside the. Uh, oh no, but that he still would have been Mike Keenan and I'm pissed sure. everybody I'm off. Sure. We also um, that was the Cardinals' year when they got in the playoffs first time mm-hmm. since '87, and we played Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And now they're playing Atlanta again. Again. All right. So yeah. next week we have lots of movies. Adam's Family, which is a cartoon. 
Uh, Gemini Man starring young Will Smith and old Will Smith. Jexy, which is, that's the, uh, that is the uh, uh, guy from Workaholics, Adam Devine. He, Jexy is like Alexa or Siri and Jexy falls in love and does, and they break up and is it like her kind of but it's a comedy that like it does not go well with Adam Devine and Jexy uh, then you have Lucy in the Sky otherwise known as Pale Blue Dot the story of Natalie Portman driving across country in diapers with St. Louis's own John Hamm and El Camino a Breaking Bad movie I saw the preview of that today before Joker and yeah. the STL Cinemas, which is the Chase Moolah and mm-hmm. the Galleria, say, come watch it on the big screen. Because, yeah, they're going to show. Netflix wants to show their movies in screens first. It's well, all about they, Jesse. Don't they kind of have to, though, to get uh, awards consideration? Yes. Yes. yes, they have to. They have to open in New York and L.A. for and, at least a week. And, and The Irishman, I think, is yes. you know, one that I would like to see in a theater. I mean, I, I think I might want to see this Breaking Bad in the theater because I'm a big. Uh, that was my favorite TV show of all time. They are not having a screening for us for that. No, they're not. They are having screenings for the Laundromat, Dolomite, which you already saw, uh, the Irishman, and no, sorry, they're not doing that. They're doing. They're showing the Irishman, Marriage Story, and the Two Popes. For yes. us. I've heard really good things about the two popes. Marriage Story is by Noah Baumbach. Okay. Well, David, thank you for being on with us. Hey, thank you all for uh, inviting me to participate. I have a little movie blog. It's davidcraigmovies.com. And other than that, I'm uh, semi-retired. So, Yay! I mean, I'm. I wish I was. I'm retired, but you know, I'm not you necessarily committed to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Lynn, where can we find you socially? I am on timesnewspapers.com, and then I am on KTRS every Thursday night, and then with Jay and Ray, and then we're here. That was last night. And I'm on all the socials. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Instagram and Twitter. You can hear me almost every Saturday night on Max on Movies on KTRS, and you can hear me on the Entercom's family of radio stations on KMOX, on KFDK every Saturday. I'm going to be on the Courtney and Company show on Monday, uh, filling in for Kevin the intern because he is taking a day off, and so uh, I'm all over that place. So talk to you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.